Hello and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 38. I'm your host today, Pep Berisha. You can find me on Twitter at P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. I'm joined, well, I would say as usual, but it's not been as usual recently, by my co-hosts uh, of the State of Play podcast, Matt Santangelo. How are you doing, man? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, just a little COVID-19 update before we get started here. I'm sure that's so many people are uh, trying to get an idea of how we are doing in our own situations. Uh, things are loosening up. We're kind of entering into certain phases where um, safely places of business can operate and stuff like that. So um, hopefully we're turning the corner. I think it's been a while. Everyone wants to kind of get back to their normal lives or at least what they think is normal life. And, um, you know, of course, integrating with football would be an added bonus. But, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm just trying to stay fit, stay active, uh, keep myself busy, my mind busy on certain things and certain tasks. And then, um, yeah, you know, hopefully we get, we get football back soon and I can kind of fill that, that, that dead time in my week uh, <laughs> with something I really love. So I'm, I'm, fingers crossed here. That void, that void. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's one of those things, isn't it? It's very tough for us to, to kind of comment on on many of these things regarding COVID because we don't really have the information. We're not kind of politicians. We're not uh, people that work in health services. But one thing that we can talk about is, you know, football in its relation to COVID nineteen and um, how certain leagues are. Uh, I suppose, you know. Um, positioning themselves for a return or potentially not a return to football. So, Matt, we're going to talk first and foremost about uh, France because I think that's been the biggest revelation since we last released an episode. I mean, if you guys haven't checked out the last episode with um, uh, with Harry Brooks, uh, who's a great coach, and we talked a lot about uh, the Premier League and, and coaching aspects of young players, and he did a great uh, player profile as well, Jaden Braff. Um, France, they've, they've officially confirmed that the finishing of their league, PSG, are going to be crowned champions. Uh, they have stated themselves, PSG, that they will continue to play in the Champions League if it goes ahead. Uh, Matt, what are, your, what are your thoughts first and foremost here, the first league who's finally got some certainty under its belt? Well, I think it's interesting with, with PSG's situation right then, that, that league specifically, because I think uh, in recent years, everyone's kind of, uh, PSG winning the league has kind of seemed like a formality each year, right? I think it was last season, if I recall, by March, they had the league locked up. So I think some people would say, yeah, well, like, I think their cushion right now is maybe 12 points, the way the table is with a game in hand. So I think most people would say, hey, like they're pretty much going to win the league. But I think it's, you have to look more to the other positions, other zones, right? Because it's not just, okay, who's the champion? And, you know, like in other sports, right? You know, like here in the U.S. with like the basketball, baseball, where it's the champion and then everyone else, right? And there's really no you know, fallout or repercussions of finishing in the bottom bottom three and finish out of the Champions League, right? Well, obviously there's um, some some controversy, some issues that many of these clubs are having because it's saying, hey, like I'm, my team is three, four points off relegation. Like this is huge. And obviously, you know, the whole, the, all that, that, the financial aspects that come along with, you know, staying afloat and then obviously making the drop down to the second tier. So I think that's kind of going to be the biggest, um, you know, thing that I kind of like to look to monitor um, as more of these leagues start to try to restart and get things back and back rolling. Because, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, like Liverpool. Okay, it's one thing to say, yeah, Liverpool are the champions. But it's like, yeah, but there's a lot, a lot at stake. A lot of things are at stake here with some of these decisions. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I've been kind of closely monitoring myself is, is how these 
other leagues after what, what happened in, in the French league and how they kind of monitor and go about trying to get it back and restarted, right? Because I think if you have another case where another league tries to call and they say, we can't get this league restarted, we're going to call it as it is with the league, the league table being, you know, first place gets the title, yada, yada, yada. You're going to get a lot of backlash, you're going to get a lot of lawsuits, and it's already coming in from, I think it's I means if I'm correct, or if I pronounce that correctly, but I think they're going to be one of the teams that's already found a lawsuit because of this decision being made to already call the league. So it's, look, it's, it's, it's really a tough situation. It's not just like calling the game or suspending a game and then we can resume it. It's one of those things where it's been months. There's so many things connected to it. It's a really difficult situation and something that probably happens once every century, once mm. every lifetime. So that's kind of been my reaction to it is that I'm kind of monitoring how, so how what are the what are the fallout what's the fallout of this decision because they're essentially the first top league to to make that decision and call the league and you know some are saying well they should avoid it some are saying they should try and play on they just they chose to crown psg champions mm. i think they um obviously deserved it this year given the season they've had but there's more to it and there's a lot more at stake that that has to be taken into consideration when making this this decision so uh Pat, what, what, what are your thoughts on it though uh, yeah, I agree. I think considering the French clubs in general had the least amount of money to lose mm-hmm. as, a, as a total league. I don't know if I, I sent you that graphic in our state of play chat where I think there was about 100 million to 200 million euros on the line for right. French football in general. Compare that to nearly a billion euros in the Premier League. You can see, you could start to see why the commercial aspects become a lot more complex and it's already become complex. You mentioned Amiens there. Uh, Aulas, uh, the Lyon owner, has already filed uh, to try and sue the French, uh, the French league for damages for potentially not reaching European competition this year. They want to be uh, they want to be given money for that, uh, which I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's unfair. I'm not necessarily necessarily sure it's fair. I think it's kind of uh, trying to profit on uh, you know the situation at hand. Jonathan Johnson has just tweeted that he says official, uh, our good friend who's, who's been on the pod before. French football clubs will be boosted in some cases, kept afloat by state-sponsored loan in the absence of TV rights money. So I suppose some of these the government officials have seen um, some of the. I guess that there's no smoke without fire. You know, we mentioned Amiens, we mentioned Lyon. The the government have reacted there, and I suppose if enough money is distributed across these clubs, which would, I guess, circumvent the, the damages that have been caused by lack of football, then I suppose clubs don't have that much to complain about. Then it's just about the, the matter of relegation, I suppose. Well, that's, that, that's, that, see, that's my question too, is that like, if you say, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna, to ensure you're, you're financially taken care of on that end, are they going to be relegated, right? Because then you have to look at, okay, well, if we're, we're going to keep those teams afloat, then we got to make sure the teams that are maybe in the second division who are destined to make the climb up to the first division are set, right? So it's like, and it's also one of those things too, where I think we're going to look back um, on this period. If, you know, again, once we kind of have all the answers and everything's laid out in front of us uh, regarding the pro relegation uh, for some of these leagues is how the, the second league kind of falls, like kind of the, the, the reaction the next year when you have a clean slate. And it's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, if you have teams that were, destined to maybe like for example like a team like Lazio right let's say for example you say hey we're you know you're not going to we're going to recall the season right now you can't compete for the title right but you'll finish in top four or whatever the case may be and then we'll restart next year well then next year it's a different case right there's players moving there's injuries like 
when it comes to like a long season in sports, all the stars have to align for you to get back to that position. And I think that's going to be one of the tougher things to do. Cause if you have a team in the second division who was destined to make their, maybe their first climb up to the first division, but they're financially taken care of, but they're still staying in the second division. And then next year, things don't go according to plan. Their, you know, their best players get picked up and now all of a sudden they're not getting promoted. Like that's going to be something that I monitor in kind of the long-term um, and the, the long-term implications and the long-term you know, response to, to everything that's being you know, decided on. Well, let's, let's move on to Italy, Matt. What's, what's the latest there? I, I haven't, I haven't purposely haven't made any notes there just to kind of pick your brains. What's going on? So today, May 4th, um, individual players are, are allowed to kind of resume training. Um, how that goes, how these players go about their training is another thing. I'm assuming um, Italy, which has been uh, one of the locations that's been struck the hardest uh, with this COVID-19 pandemic. Um, I, I'm assuming they're going to be kind of, you know, seg- you know separated uh, on the training ground, you know, work individually, maybe with trainers at a distance. I don't know how that's going to work. Um, again, it's still very new, very fresh. So I'm assuming we'll see images. We'll see uh, more come in on social media and from these accounts as things kind of, you know, unfold. But, um, and then from the 18th, it looks like they're, that's the, the targeting point. I think that's the key here. Um, when teams are allowed, clubs are allowed to resume full training as a unit. Um, right. I think that's going to be ultimately how we kind of can project when the league could restart. Right. Because if you're thinking fourth individuals, 18th, two weeks teams, most people are going to say, well, maybe two weeks after they can resume. But it's not so cut and dry because now you're having teams have to travel. You're having teams have to go as a group mm. with other personnel involved from other teams. And it, it kind of gets a little bit more dicey. It's one thing if, you know, like, for example, like if you have your family and you're quarantined with your family or you see a relative or someone like, you know, a brother, sister, whatever the case may be, you know them. So it's kind of a little bit of a different situation. You know what their situation is. But for a team like Juve, for instance, who I think are still testing players and they've had a couple of players in their squad test positive with Dabala, Matuidi, uh, Rugani, just to name a few, it becomes a little bit more dicey. They really have to walk on eggshells and take this thing uh, very carefully in their next step. So it's going to be it's a day it's a day to day. The way I see it, it's a, it's a little W for Calcio fans. It's a little W for football in general w. in Italy. Um, something to be positive about. Um, but again, it's got to be taken seriously. We can't kind of put a timeline and say well, we got to meet this. We got to get the players back out there because the mm-hmm. last thing we want is a setback and something that kind of leads to more uh, nightmares, more issues, more health concerns for for all involved. So that's the situation right now, and I'm assuming we'll learn more uh, as the week goes by and the weeks go by leading up to that that training, the resuming of uh, of the training sessions. That is the last thing that we want. It really is. You're right. Um, moving on to Spain, I think players have been allowed back uh, in training in a similar regime, I suppose, to Italy in the last couple of days, which is super interesting. I, I know there's kind of a lot of scepticism about what could uh, happen considering the numbers there in Spain, but uh, at least another, I guess, small dub there. I mean, the, the country that's probably in the most... Uh, the best placed uh, position to potentially restart football anytime soon is Germany. But they're also finding some complications, aren't they, Matt? I think uh, players are already in training in group sessions, I think, uh, obviously adhering to social distancing. But three people from Cologne, the football club, so Cologne FC, uh, two players and a coach have been, uh, had. they've got COVID, they're positive, but training seems to resume there. That's, uh, That's pretty interesting. 
That is interesting. I think it's also interesting for a couple of reasons, right? Obviously, you want to see, well... <laughs> Can I just stop you? What one second? Are... German football authorities, yeah. sorry, this is also very latest from Sky Sports, uh, literally half an hour ago. German football authorities say 10 individuals from the country's top two divisions have returned positive coronavirus tests. A total of 1,724 tests were carried out on players from 36 clubs in the top two tiers of German football as some returned to training. So that's 10 out of uh, 1,724. For it, it's not a lot of people testing positive, but considering how infectious this disease is, it's obviously a concern. But it's it's interesting that Germany have uh, continued to train or bite this. It is, and I think for many reasons. Right? Obviously, we want to you know ensure that it doesn't keep spreading. It doesn't. We don't you know take step you know have take a step back or have any setbacks with you know the work we've put in as as a as as a as the globe as as uh, as society is put in to kind of flatten the curve get rid of this thing for good and, and allow people to return to some sort of normal life but um i wonder and again you know this is uh this is something to make it we're gonna we're, it's, it's all it's all very fresh it's very new but are are the teams are the the teammates of those players that test positive are they signing waivers are they are they what's the because if they're returning to full squad right but then they're coming back and their teammates are testing positive for it as you mentioned with Cologne FC, yeah, the, that's that's tricky. That's very tricky, and it's, they, it's you got to be very careful, very cautious. Now, of course, these are professional teams. I don't think they are making these decisions without having thought it through. You know, uh, uh, approaching the, the local government to kind of see what the procedure, the proper procedures are, and the proper steps to be made to ensure that they can return, everyone's kept safe, and there's no there's no issues. But that's again, it's it's going to be fascinating too, right? Because once you start getting into the position where you want to resume, and I know Germany is kind of one of those where it looks like they want to resume, but they're still waiting on like I think like the government to make that decision about when they can actually resume the league. It's going to be interesting because now you start kind of taking clubs and playing them against other clubs with players who are not affected, and then all the tell mm-hmm. takes again. We saw what happened. I think there was um, a very interesting article um, that went out. I'm not sure if it was the Guardian, Athletic, but um, it was with the Atalanta Valencia game, right? With the Champions League, where it, you know, it, it, you could have a completely safe area, safe team, safe club, and all of a sudden, Atalanta, Bergamo, that area was hit really hard. And all of a sudden, you kind of throw them into a game against each other, they're pitted against each other, and all of a sudden, it spreads like wildfire. So it's, it's, it's kind of like the, the what is it, the, the, the Trojan horse sort of, sort of thing, where you don't want to go into a situation where you have the teams that are saying, okay, yeah, everything's ready to go, we can play. And then all of a sudden, oh, we forgot this guy tested positive in the buildup to a game or something like that. So like, I know they're monitoring it, but again, everything, I know people want expect, they want expectations as to when they can get the game back. But, you know, it, it could be something where, again, it could be a month from when they resume training or when they get that clearance. It wouldn't surprise me if it's, again, they kind of err on caution, err on, you know, have that safety, that it's a month afterwards where they say, hey, like mid-June or like first week of June, Bundesliga can return because you, you really got to be careful, right? We're assuming that if you're testing positive right now, you have to, what, 14 days quarantine to at least ensure that maybe it passes by and you could kind of you know, get past it. it it's, 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 really, it's really difficult for me to say from a uh, – again, I'm, a, I'm just a football fan, right? I, I'm a writer. I do all these sorts of things we talked about at the top. Pet, we don't, we're not health people. We mm. don't know what goes into this stuff because, again – there's a lot of moving parts there's uh, these clubs are consulting a lot of people on this Mm. situation and they have their own private people as well you know like right right it's 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 one of us it's for us to say well you know if you do this and do this and do this you can probably play by june 3rd but you may have the doctor saying 
we can't do that right now. Like, we can't do this. We can't do that. And again, you just got to be very careful. And I think that's the expectations that I have. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it is first week of June for pretty much most leagues, but things can happen. Obviously, you know, uh, it's a day to day process. I'm sure next time we record next week, it'll be a little bit different. and We'll have more information. Oh, it'll be completely different. I mean, this situation is ever evolving day to day, week to week is completely different. And in the UK, things have gone from appearing very gloomy to rumors that the Premier League wants to start between June the 7th and June the 13th. Um, many clubs have started, including Arsenal, having like optional voluntary training. So you can, because a lot of players were using parks and outdoor spaces, I think some of the football clubs were like, well, we have, you know, 10 pitches here that just aren't used. Why don't the footballers just come here and use them instead and I think it's it's been limited to groups of five there's rotation in place and I think um the prime minister in the UK is going to announce sort of plans for that that phase two that you mentioned Matt the the exit strategy in the the coming weeks so it's it appears that even though we'll see I suppose players get infected unfortunately and um, that's obviously going to be very unfortunate as I've just mentioned Clubs and leagues on the whole, apart from France, seem to be uh, more or less determined to finish the season. Mm. Um, one, of, one of the questions that I've, I've got is, what if some players just refuse to? What, uh, what is going to happen in that situation? Well, look, I mean, I think it, I forgot who I forgot. I saw something on the news or on ESPN. I think I was watching uh, Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. And on the bottom, yeah. I saw that um, there was, I think it was, was it Sergio Aguero, if I'm correct. He said that players are concerned. Like, they're, like it's, it's yes, everyone in, in theory, everyone wants to start return, returning to the football pitch, right? You all understand that, you know, that's their job. That's their profession. That's what they put their whole lives into. But there's always something in the back of their mind, especially if you're someone who's had a family member affected by it. For instance, Pep Guardiola, his mother passed away, right? So um, that's this entire, this entire COVID-19 situation. So you can see where there's, there's this, there's a lot of gray areas to making decisions. It's not just, okay, we got to wait for the government to say, yes, we can resume and the league to kind of agree on with them and we can resume. There's going to be players and there's going to be some pushback as well. Because they may say, well, I, our team doesn't feel comfortable that we're, we can resume right now, right? So it's, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see. And I think I'm sure you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of teams and a lot of the schedule being kind of really staggered to accommodate certain teams, right? Mm-hmm. I think once now that there's no Euro to meet, there's no Olympics to meet, there's no Copa America to meet, it's pretty much a clean slate the rest of the year, essentially, to finish these leagues out. So Again, I, I, I reiterate this. I think it's, it's going to be a process. I don't think it's going to be streamlined. I don't think it's going to be as simple as we're, everyone's going to resume on this day and they're going to go back and play. It could be you know, certain, certain teams play in certain areas, in certain stadiums with no fans or limited staff. It, it, it's, it, again, to your point, it's the end city situation as well. You know, if the players are, don't, they feel uneasy about going back to it, then there's going to be some that are fine with it. Right. But it's not just yeah. up to them to say, OK, well, we're going to go back and just not take into consideration what how city players are feeling and their overall reaction to it. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of moving parts. Um, and I'm sure, you know, as things hopefully get towards a, a, a normalcy, if you will, then I think players can start feeling more comfort and at ease that they can resume without having the fear of possibly catching something. Yeah. I mean, just wanted to quickly 
go back to the point of things changing so often. I mean, we had like a couple different potential guests lined up, but because this thing happened over in France and this thing happened over in Germany, we were kind of like, we were in limbo. I mean, uh, you know, we heard plans for Germany wanting to start in as early as like next week, but those kind of started put on hold yeah and france finishing the league like we were it's, it's very hard for us i know this is very much third world problems we're very uh lucky and blessed to be kind of environments that we're not um i guess exposed to covid as many as many people are but you know it's hard for us to schedule whether or not we talk about this or this it's, it's always going to be have to be very mm-hmm. much last minute um as will the next kind of i suppose eight weeks 12 weeks of uh, this podcast but i suppose what we kind of wanted to do is just give everyone an update on each league because it's, it's there's so such a you know amazing amount of information out there you can go way deeper uh, than this podcast in each league but enough about that i mean there's also been a bit of transfer news hasn't there matt recently uh, we've talked about sancho recently with harry of course uh, we talked about uh, lots of other players that could be making a move in what could be a very uh, difficult and trying time for clubs to actually try and make some of these moves and a lot of them will be made on players that they can maybe get on a cheap you know players that mm-hmm. have uh, uh, contracts running down players that have had gentleman agreements with with other with their respective clubs you know what kind of moves do you think we'll see do you think we'll see a lot of um uh big transfers do you think we'll see a lot of kind of bosman transfers i'm seeing you know coutinho in the news still at the moment players like andre arnana uh so on and so forth paul pogba of course is, is someone that's been making waves of course linked with Juventus from real madrid how likely are some of these and what do you make of some of these transfers well, I think we, we've talked about the the trend, the, the how the transfer market's going to go about, all right? Because it's much more different, much more complex uh, in terms of player movement than any other sport in the world, right? And I've I've begun to start believe that um, it's going to be a little bit more. It's going to be different. The whole dynamic of how transfers are made this summer, whenever that period opens, right? That summer transfer window opens, um, could be a little bit different. Um, there was a quote from Fabio Paratici from uh, Juventus, their director. Um, from Fabrizio Romano, one of the more reliable sources uh, you know, for football. And he pretty much said that there was, there was reports lingering around about a Pjanic for Arthur swap. And I think swaps are going to be something that's very interesting, right? Because it's kind of how you value players and how you rate them. And then it's just a simple swap versus just splashing money around and things like that. So that could be a dynamic that really comes into play if there's teams that find some sort of meeting of the minds and they say, hey, like we have a midfielder you need this player, let's, let's do a swap, right? But, you know, getting back to just transfers in general, like straight buys, I think the – we talked about this too, I think, with um, – maybe, maybe it was Harry. Yeah, it was the way it was with Harry about younger players, specifically Sandro mm-hmm. Tonali, who was, you know, kind of being valued at 50 million, 60 million. Now there may be a team for Russia who are going to get relegated or, again, whenever this league continues, they're likely to get relegated. They're in the cellar right now. Can they – afford to hold out to get 60 million they may not be able to they may mm-hmm. need to recoup some money of course again assuming that the, the italian government um you know helps them and helps them out like the, the french government's going to do but again there's a lot of things we don't know a lot of uncertainty regarding uh you know the financial aspects of it right so i i for one think that you know there's going to be some activity i don't think that's going to stop i think the sport's going to continue as normal i just think there's going to maybe be less lucrative big splash acquisitions 
Mm. Uh, maybe they're structuring it in more of like a loan with more loans with options, more two-year loans with options or deferred payments, you know, to kind of, kind of balance things out that way. But I, nevertheless, I think COVID-19 is going to change um, how clubs operate in 100%. the summer transfer window. And I'm sure as, again, we kind of get towards the restarting of the seasons and then we kind of have an idea of when the windows are going to open and when the market's going to be open for business, then we can kind of put together how certain deals and how certain clubs will go about structuring um, their approaches and, and things like that to acquire the players they want. Yeah, I think it's going to be very choppy waters for a lot of mm -hmm players and a lot of clubs i mean there's also the contract situation right a lot of yeah. players are going to be out of contract um i i know that in basically most clubs when a player is out of contract uh in june usually they'll give you like a month's worth of severance pay i, I think and that is to help players in case they don't find in a club for next season over the summer how many of these clubs are going to, you know, maybe not pay that severance package or, you know, not give players three to six month contracts to extend over the summer? Is that going to also be a problem? You know, could we see a totally different, um, I'm trying to think of a club who has a lot of expiring contracts, but could we see totally different starting 11s? Like, I don't know, Chelsea, for example, they've recently announced that Giroud's contract is going to be extended by 12 months, but some of these players might not get an extension and is the are the pfa and the fa is gonna have to uh, step in here and say well actually that that's not right you know you're still playing this season they were contracted to play and it's gonna get very uh, messy isn't it matt yeah that and again i think that's it's it's and there's so many moving parts and i think you know when you even when before this when you explain kind of how football works and how the transfer market works to people who are foreign to the game it's very confusing to begin with and now all of a sudden we're just throwing around like deferred payments severance pay and this player's mm -hmm. contract expires now but you can negotiate with him a couple months earlier you know there's a lot of it's a lot of intricacies and details that go behind just making a simple um, you know player move from one club to the other and you know even milan has that situation too they have a couple players that are set to expire in june um you know bonaventura uh, lucas bilia just to name a few so you know sorry there's more there's more breaking stuff on my timeline sorry uh yeah no go ahead <laughs> released <laughs> Raliga's released a statement in conjunction with all members to confirm clubs uh to re to, re to confirm clubs returning to training across this week with aim of restarting june uh restarting season in june and to conclude the 2019-20 campaign this summer more follows sorry that was a really badly worded tweet that i read but there we are uh there's another bit of a, an update for us so, no, that's yeah, a, yeah. so that's another interesting one isn't it matt i i suppose uh may early may i suppose you know france has never really set out a date where they wanted to maybe start i think there was stuff from the prime minister saying that no uh no uh crowds no crowds would be admitted to professional sports in 2020 at, at all i think germany did quite similar and i think the prime minister or macron said that um there wouldn't be any sport uh, even declined behind closed until August. Uh, and now they've cancelled Spain, obviously saying that they might start up in June. Uh, clubs cleared to start training. So many varied uh, points of view for these clubs, depending on what kind of the situation is with COVID. But I suppose we've, we've bored play, uh, listeners on that. I don't know if you want to say anything quickly on Spain before we kind of do a little challenge that we've set ourselves. No, nah, I think it's, again, it's just, you know, it's going to be developing. We'll have more next week as we learn and as it comes in. Of course, I mean, during, during episodes, it sounds like. <laughs> 
yeah, I know. Then as yeah, we're, we're, it's kind of breaking news. It's like a live telecast here, but um, yeah. So it's just it, it's just a matter of following the right sources, getting your news from you know reliable places, and that's probably the best way to keep yourself updated. But yeah, it's it's ever changing, forever changing, and we just got to kind of stay on top of it. And again, I, I I anticipate the majority of these leagues. Again, maybe Bundesliga starts a little earlier. I think it's June. I think that's coming, and maybe by the end of July, the season's over, and then maybe the market starts in August. That's kind of just my prediction with everything i think june seems like the most sensible and more re- most realistic date for um clubs to kind of you know the leagues to kind of get back going but champions league uh, i don't know there's really not much going on with that i don't know when that's going to be you know starting back up if it will um because again you have again clubs moving from country to country region to region there's a lot more movement going on versus within staying within the barriers of your own country so i'm sure we'll learn more with that as of course some of these other leagues get up and rolling yeah for sure i think that's very well put and we'll hope to provide you guys with as much information as possible our little challenge i suppose jamie carragher set this trend hasn't he matt with 11 aside teams we thought we'd do our own little one uh we want to do your best five aside team only one player from each league can't be from the same country and they all have to be under 23 and we're going to do it in a bit of a draft situation so you're going to go first and i'll pick two uh, and you have to have let's say you have to have at least one goalkeeper one defender and at least one midfielder one forward so um th- those are our rules who-, who have you got first oh man that's a tough one um under 23 um I'm 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 liking Mbappe, obviously. Yeah, Arlen Holland's a great one. Sancho, Donnarumma, Tonali. There's so many. Um, if I'm gonna say I'm gonna probably I it would as much as I want Donnarumma, I don't think it would be wise to start my my team in a draft scenario with a goalkeeper. So I think I'm probably gonna go uh, killing Mbappe up front. I just think he's got the prize the prizes prize package of everything that you want in a forward player. Mm. Um, and I'm gonna start with him as my uh, my first pick. That's fair. That's a very good pick. Uh, my first pick is going to be Jaden Sancho. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think he's probably second after Mbappe in terms of best under 23 players. Um, I don't know who I'm going to go with for my my second pick, though. Uh, there's quite a few options. I probably need someone in midfield, though. I mean, Tonali's not that bad a shout. Uh, Delict's up there, you know, uh, Rashford, Frankie Frankie de Jong, you know, even Lautaro Martinez, uh, Mm -hmm. for example, um, Jao Felix, you know, uh, but the the guy that I'm going to go for is Trent Alexander Arnold. So I think that those two, you know, um, he's he's definitely for me the top five under 23 players out there. And I think if I'm going to choose one defender, even though he's not. Really, I don't know how much of a defender he is. Uh, that's the guy that I'm going to go for in my next pick. So I think you've got you've got two now, right? Yeah, I got two on my end. So to support Kenny Mbappe, you know, get him <laughs> in space, get all the goals coming his way. Um, I'm going to go with in the midfield Sandro Tonali. Obviously, this was very difficult because I really <laughs> do love Donnarumma. I love Romagnoli as two players, even as uh, Ismail Benacer. Um, Romagnoli. Oh, I just realised I can't do it. It's Trent Alexander and Sancho from the same country. That's true. You can. Ah, damn. I, I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna have to take Delict then. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna take a Delict on that one. Apologies. Okay. So you have okay. So you have Sancho and Delict. Okay. Hey, listen. It's, it's not bad. Right? I think most people would love that. Um, so I got Mbappe up front, and I'm gonna go with uh, Sandro Tonali in the midfield. Of course, I would love to. I think he's still 
technically, I think May 8th, he turns 20. So he's mm-hmm. still, if we were doing it under 20, he would still fit that criteria. Yeah. Um, as much as I'd love to go Donnarumma, who's 21, and it feels like he's been uh, you know, playing for a decade now. He's still 21, which is crazy. Um, I feel confident going with Tonali in the midfield. Um, and then I have another pick. So I probably should go with a, um, a probably another defender, maybe. Not another defender, a defender uh, in general, which is, could be very difficult. Uh, under 23. Oh, this is tough. Um, (laughs) It's difficult, man. It really is difficult. Um, How about Upa Kameno from uh, Leipzig? Mm, Good shout. Good shout, man. That's a a good one. Add him on my radar. I'm going to write that down. Um, That's a good battle. Upa Meccano versus Delict. Um, hmm. Who am I gonna go for? Uh, I've got two picks now. This is tough, man. This is so <laughs> much tougher than I thought it was gonna be. Uh, on the fly, too. On the fly, yeah. No, no, no prep. Um, oh, this is so hard, man. I need to pick two, and I need one from the Premier League, and I need one from the French League, uh, and I need them not to be English. So this is going to be, you know what? I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for Martinelli. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't be your team without repping a <laughs> play for Marson, right? So that's Brazilian, English, Dutch, and I've got Premier League, Serie A, and the Bundesliga. So I need someone from France and someone from Spain. I'm going to go for Martin Odegaard. Oof, I like that one, man. I actually was thinking about that. Yeah, that's a good um, one. I think that's the, the best under-23 player in, in La Liga. Oh, yeah. This year, he's been sensational for Sociedad. Um, all right. So, I got my French League. I got Serie A. I got uh, Bundesliga, um, Premier League, and La Liga. Oof. Yeah, okay, so, so you need you need a Premier League player, and you need a, a La Liga player. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go with for... Well, I need, I need a goalkeeper too, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless I want to play someone out back, right? So I yeah. Take, yeah, one of my picks have to be a goalkeeper now. Um, 20, under 23 goalkeepers. <laughs> and they can't be in the French, Italian, or German leagues. That's true. That's really tricky. How about... Is it Dean Henderson, Manchester United? Uh, yeah, let me just corroborate. No, well, he's, if he's, from, he's, at, he's, at, he's not. He's owned by them, but yeah. Yeah, let's see how old Dean Anderson is. Is he twenty three or twenty four? Let's see. That's a really good <laughs> shout, though. That's a really good shout. Everyone's just scrambling for that. Yeah, he's twenty three. Yeah. He's twenty three. We'll, t- we'll let you have it. Oh, there it is. We'll let you have it. That's a good, <laughs> good, very good shout, though. A lot of people are, are saying that he should come back um, to to United. So that's interesting and, too. And a lot of people think, think he should be England England goalkeeper. Wow. While we're on that too, it's funny because I, I the name came to mind because my Roberto Grosso Hiyoshi sent questions in for us, and he appeared on an episode. Uh, I think at the end of 2019, he did a profile on Dean Henderson. This is a little spoiler for the upcoming Scouted magazine. <laughs> so I was like, wait a second, he's got to be under 23, right? He's in the yeah. magazine, so yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I got Henderson. So there's my goalkeeper, and then I have. La Liga, La Liga under 23. You know, I've been following La Liga, but I know it's kind of tricky to see who's like under 23 because it's, again, it's a very, you know, like, did they just turn 23? Did they turn it like yeah. after the season started? Um, 
I was, I was like, oh, I'll, I'll take Leroy Sane. I realized he's 24. I was like, damn, that makes me feel old. Maybe it's probably best. Although he hasn't been utilized the way I, I think many would want um, year one after his big move. But I'm going to go with Ja Felix. Mm. Mm. I, I was thinking about him as well. Not going to lie. Uh, in goal for me, I'm going to go for Alban Lafont. He hasn't quite... Uh, you know, got up to the heights that a lot of people are expecting, but he's still 20 for a goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. He's played so many minutes for someone at that age. So that's my final team. I've got Lafont in goal. I've got Delict holding it down at the back. I've got Odegaard on his own in midfield. <laughs> and then I've got Martellelli and Sancho. And then you've got uh, Jao Felix, Mbappe up top. Uh, Tenali, Upamecano at the back and Dean Henderson goal. Oh, that'd be a good matchup, I think. Oh, that would be great. You know what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to do a similar graphic. I'm going to make the graphics comparing <laughs> the two teams. Um, and we'll have, like, we'll have a vote sort of thing, like a yeah. reaction. And we'll have people vote on which team would win this hypothetical 5 side matchup. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Let's do that. And let's see, let's see who comes up trumps. And then let's see if anyone's got any better teams than us. Yeah, but we'll challenge you guys, and I'm sure some of you guys will come up with names from different new leagues. And if you listen, if it's just top five leagues, okay, fine. But I'm sure some of you guys are going to pull out a player from a certain league we've never even focused on and come with a player. So I'm uh, definitely going to challenge you guys. But this was fun. I was, I was definitely enjoying this. Yeah, that was a good brain teaser. I mean, I messed up straight away with Sancho and Trent. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I, made up, I made up the rules and I got them wrong straight away. Uh, I think we're going to wrap up there, though, man. Um, it's, it's obviously tough times for a lot of people. Uh, a lot of moving parts in the football world we don't want to put out content that is is kind of like um you know that expires really quickly you listen to it tomorrow and it's not really relevant so hopefully if we put this out tomorrow tuesday uh 5th of may then it's going to be um it's going to be pretty relevant for a lot of people and people will enjoy that little challenge so uh matt where can people find out more about you Make sure you guys are following me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. I'm also tossing around the idea of making, um, in addition to our State of Play pod Instagram account, it's kind of this one that exists somehow, but I don't, I've never seen it. So it's kind of, I got to get that rolling up. But um, yeah, I'm thinking about creating like a football centric um, uh, account that ties to my Twitter. So maybe you guys keep an eye on that. Nice. But anything I'm doing, um, you guys can find me on Twitter for more information on anything I'm working on. Awesome. Nice one, man. Uh, and yeah, you can find us at the State of Play, so the at State of Play pod. And you can find me at Pet Berisha on Twitter, P-E-T-B-E-R-I-S-H-A. Keep your eyes peeled. I might be starting some football manager content re- uh, soon. Uh, and I might be doing some State of Play football videos it's, on YouTube in the next it's a, six it's a great, weeks. It's a great time for side projects. <laughs> it and really is, I think, man. You know, we're encouraging you, the listeners here, that if you guys have a side project, you guys, have, you guys get some inspiration from our podcast or some other podcasts to start your own during this time. By all means, go for it, man. But, you know, we appreciate the support that you guys are bringing to us. Make sure you guys are still subscribing, leaving those reviews, giving us feedback, uh, DM, emailing us at stateofplaypod at gmail.com. We do appreciate your support in this time, and we look forward to delivering more content um, on current and more active uh, football uh, in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for everyone that's listened so far, and thank you very much for listening to this episode. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>